I've spent a lot of time, I mean, ever since I was in undergraduate, I mean, I had to contact the CSIRO in Australia, which is like the science community. Like, yeah, I wanted to go into an anechoic chamber. So I just contacted them and I was like, can I go? It, they were very open to field. They're always very open to field test. They're like, yeah, yeah, go in there. You know, I, I mean, it was kind of easier to say with a cello, you know, the context was easier. When I started my PhD, I had to find the the gap, <laughs> you know, of the, 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 the research field. And um, there is one, at least specifically with the instrument and how sound throws, and I would argue further along, <laughs> there, there is a black box. So the scientists try, I did, I mean, I did so much physics research on the cello, which is basically just researching a smaller uncontrollable body. So then you, 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 now I just look at the het hem room as a similar, yes, you can record certain things, but the phenomena is hard to grasp. And um, so I was in contact with the physics department at the Union of New South Wales. I've been in contact with a lot of scientists, not recently because of the pandemic or whatnot, but they've always been pretty open to me. They were very interested in the, the parables and I think that these scientists just like that somebody from the outside is interested. Like maybe other, maybe I, other people have other experiences, but if you're talking about physics, these guys are just like so fascinated that somebody's actually like taken an interest in their field. They want to share stuff. They're like, oh, great. And, and they think you're cool. <laughs> you're like, oh, I mean, I think they're really cool. And they're like, well, an artist wants to come and talk to us. So, I've had a pretty, um, pretty healthy relationship with the scientific institutions that I've chosen to like contact always. And I have spent a lot of time researching physics. I mean, basically any of this stuff that I've been talking about has come directly from scientific papers and I mean, and then connecting it with meteor archeology span or yeah, different instruments or devices that use that. So this media archaeology stuff, or no, let's just say media, I don't think it's archaeology, but it's just more recently, some of the older stuff has been easier to kind of adapt. But like this crossover between physics and, and media, it's like they're all using the same stuff I'm using, but just in a different way. I mean, down to the accelerometer. The accelerometer I put on the cello is actually for, um, that specific one is for like, um, um, miners to test geological um, vibrations like where is it going what's happening so I'm kind of used to the instruments and I got used to reading their text like I don't understand the maths but I don't need to because I don't need that it's interesting when you're you're an artist you 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 really for me I'm not interested in I will get good at what at the part I need not the other part you know, so yeah, I have a very in-depth understanding of vibration in physics and and in um, the cello and in speakers. That's maybe quite um, abstract <laughs> because there are certain things I can't I can't tell you about speakers. I can be really shit at even plugging in a speaker, but I can tell you abstractly what's going on. And maybe sometimes I can't even like 
articulate that, but I've read like shitloads of physics on projection and different instruments of projection and yeah, like what happens with long waves and, you know. So I think that probably I could, I have a contribution definitely, definitely to musical um, physics um, because there was a gap. Um, there is a gap. But I presume at this point also some sound stuff. <laughs> but it, I only ever read to take, not to give back. <laughs> I just take, I'm just reading like, oh, this. Okay, now I'm just going to go in all the journals and figure it out. Okay, right. So I could use this to do this. So I have like so many projects. I spent like, in this pandemic, I just spent like, weeks just like coming up with this and then coming up with that so i've got like a long list of projects that often take ages to actually become to speak in german english so yeah it's going to take me a couple of years to build a bunch of subwoofers it takes so much work i mean the parables took years and years and years but they work and i'm very proud because a lot of people were kind of like well that's not going to work so i i'm quite proud of my research <laughs> At this time, my parable plan was in action, but I was also testing a whole bunch of other stuff. So Mio and I built this installation with um, panels. It was like 20, 2016 in Zagreb in a very specific, very reverberant space called the French Pavilion, which was part of the, um, the Zagreb University at that time. Um, for the Islog festival. So we were using it, we were using an accelerometer there. We were doing exactly what I was talking about, like finding ways to like move the energy of the cello, utilize the modes and find ways to kind of then expand it or continue it as a, yeah, as an artwork that that was it. You know, there was nothing else. So we built 13 panels with different drivers on the back of the panels. Um, we used software to kind of break the different frequencies up and put them into different panels. I mean, I, the, the parables are one thing, they got built, but there's a whole bunch of other things going on as well. I'm, I'm getting sick of the parables in a way. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm onto something else now. I'm onto very low, low frequencies. So anyway, again, it was this idea of expansion. It's something that I'm constantly coming back to for some reason. It's the same with the parables. I want to throw things. I want to manipulate sound energy or energy and throw it and see what, what happens. And yes, that we also did that. We expanded it and and it was the resonance of in you know of the cello essentially within a space. The parabolic speakers are one form of projection, but I'm very it's not like that was what I was aiming for, is what it was the thing that I wanted to build to understand a bunch of stuff. And I did that, and so now and I and I tested all this other technology along the way. So yes, I could do different things with this other technology, but yeah, at the moment I'm really obsessed with long waves. So like very obsessed with long waves. I want to build a station to 
collect them and I want to build some infra subs. Yeah, I've been looking into long wave data. I think this is where this all comes from. Because I just remember, like, we spent a lot of time, there's damn walls, like these big damn walls, these hydroelectricity, 20th century kind of architecture that somehow I'm drawn to. And I think it is from coming from Tasmania. So Tasmania is quite remote. And so you have water, you, you know, you have a lot of land, mountains, you're kind of negotiating the environment a lot. So for me, seeing these big things was always the case or hearing reflections or whatnot. So I kind of always think in these big mountain, <laughs> expansive geographical ways. That's how I negotiate things. Um, but yeah, so I suppose it's again, it's this kind of connection to the environment in a way. And in the end, that parabolic stuff is pretty simple. And I kind of like that. When we set up the panels in 2016, I started looking into infrasound. And there has been quite a bit of work in infrasound, like Raviv, Gendrout, yeah, like he's done a bunch of stuff. And, you know, it's a much more explored area than the parabolic stuff was. But it's, I mean, it's all explored, I suppose. But, but yeah, but, you know, the parabolic stuff I get now, so it just runs. I can do my tests and me and Benny will go and we'll keep doing these things. But I got really, really obsessed with long waves. And I was like, well, once I've built the parabole stuff, I'm going to look into this long wave stuff because it's again like, okay, the paraboles, yes, it's, it's, it's manipulating shorter waves and throwing them. But now I want to see how I can actually um, find these long waves and work with them. Of course, they're here everywhere and I really like that. I mean, information is just here. The bit, the, the bit that I find great is that we, you are feeling it. We don't even think that it's sound. You know, it's just these basic like, assumptions that we all make. So obviously resonance and vibration is something that I'm really interested in. So originally I was like, how could I, how could I propagate this through material like walls? And where would it go? So again, it's a bit like the parables, but this time it was through other material. Like how would this infrasound work? So I've got like maybe three projects in my head that are all kind of mixed up because I've been researching it now for about six years. So it's like, yeah, I more recently, what I wanted to do was build one of these infrasound stations and pick up um, data, like my own data from, um, yeah, an infrasound station. So I did a bunch of work, like uh, research into the IMS International um, Monitoring Station. So they all they're collecting size size seismic information in different ways. So there's an in, incredible amount of data long-wave data being collected in Vienna and among other places um, that like monitor nuclear it was originally they were originally built to like monitor nuclear testing and explosions but now they are also monitoring like environmental things like um, earthquakes tsunamis and um, large ice cap caps breaking and all of this other stuff so they're collecting all this data and it goes to Vienna. And there's a whole bunch of other smaller 
different ones researching other things like in the University of, of Hawaii has an infrasound department that monitors the vol volcanoes, for example. So I want to build one of these so I can collect long waves. And it's actually not that hard. You can actually, I already checked all the different technology. Obviously, long waves are so low, you'll never, you wouldn't audibly hear it. That's the question though, like, what, what do you do with, what do you do with inaudible sound data? Interesting. I don't know. This is what I want to do some testing and find out. Part of it is like, well, if we build this, what will we pick up? Like, was like, would we pick up the Ukrainian war? Yes, we would pick up all kinds of information. I don't know because the long waves, they're throwing so far that we might be picking up something from the other side of the world. When you start looking into this stuff, it like reflects off the atmosphere and all kinds of things. So it's super fascinating. And it's stuff that you can't, you, you can't gr grasp because it's, it's all around us and we're just not hearing it. So I wanted to tap in and collect some of that and then maybe send it through some infrasound speakers. So that would be subs. So at the moment I've been researching what kind of subs I would build and what kind of, what kind of infrasound level they would go down to and then what, what spatially happens because, and again, this is not a fully conceived project. So there's like three in there at once because yes, I want to send it through materials. So part of me just wants a big building that I can manipulate and send low waves through and, and then have a, them vibrating on the other side somewhere and then sound occurring as audible sound. But the thing that fascinates me is that these massive, like these expansive long waves are being collected as data and then stored in places in data banks which are causing more long waves to occur because it's like environmental warming it's like climate problems so you've got all these massive data banks you know creating energy and then it's like a system it's just going around so spatially i find it fascinating that you get these small like these massive waves are then turned into inf like data and in a way i suppose I feel like data is small, but I don't know if that's actually the case or not, because it's not, because then it's being stored somewhere and it's being disseminated. So it's not small, but it is small, like spatially. Yeah, I don't know. I have to figure this out. This is, these are the questions. So, so then, yeah, then they, then they, you know, creating more heat. And then we have another like tsunami or some other, you know, an ice cap breaks or whatnot. And then we have more long waves and it goes around and around in a circle. So in, in another great um, cycle of energy. <laughs> so I want to tap in to this little system or this really very expansive earth system and find out like what, what's going on artistically and use some of those, some of that information that I collect and make it spatial. So I, we tested, I went to Zagreb and tested four very big speakers. And of course, then we started like phasing them. So again, I was like, oh, here we go. This is the next spatial thing. Like I'm walking through, I'm now walking through more phased out space, which was great alone as it was. So at the moment I'm, and, and we tested how low, how low 
could we go? And it needs to get lower. So at the moment, I'm trying to figure out what technology I would build to actually get this kind of infrasound happening, which is probably rotary. I mean, definitely rotary based and how and then what would I do with it? So the idea again was to do an initial test, which we will do with eight of these very large subs that are very powerful that also, I mean, subs also throw long distances. So we were going to test them in a field. It's a bit like a crop. I've been calling it a crop circle. So we would test, put the subs up in a circle, phase them out and see what happens because subs also just travel for ages. It just sits there like murky sound. So I'm kind of back to this spatial throw again, just with a different device. But yeah, I want this. So it, this is what it comes down to. Well, no, there's no cello here because I don't need the cello. I want this. I want this like low wave information. So that's my next project. So I'm collecting, I'm going to collect my own long wave stuff. I mean, I could also just get the data. I could request the data. I could say, look, I want the data from, you know, the Japanese tsunami, or I want the data from the volcano volcanic reaction here, which is also super fascinating to use all that stuff. But I just want to collect my own. I want to build some subs. And it could be that that the the thing with the dark, the, the spatial information, that IMS network amongst other networks is the spatiality of it. It's crossing the whole world. So how would you then negotiate that within an artistic setting? That's the question. I'm not at the point where I can say, because I have to do all of the testing first, you know, I'm really process based. So it, yeah, I mean, is it that then you, you set up another spatial iteration of that, like within a large space? Like this is where we're talking about, I was talking about the crop circles with the, with the subs. Then we start looking, it's like a smaller example of what, what is happening anyway but in a potentially audible one or semi-semi-audible one that's creating phenomena. I don't know, I'm not there yet. But yeah, like I already picked up the spatiality of it, the way the subs travel. I just want that data because it makes sense conceptually, but I want to actually collect it myself. So, and then it's not really data, it's just information. There's, there's another, it's, it's just like the parables. <laughs> it's just another propagation. Okay. So that's another artist and that usually runs. They actually run. And I originally thought oh, I would be kind of great if it kept running because it would have switched the beams around, but like actually in the end, it was super loud when it runs. So we couldn't. So we used them as reflecting um, panels which was great because that's the other thing that, we, that I need to, I did a bunch of research into like mirrors and trying to figure out how I could use reflective panels with the speakers when there's no, no interesting reflections in a space. We positioned them in places where we, where the beam was being thrown, for example, the, you know, the, the right speaker that's like, facing towards a panel closest to the the water side of that room we put that there the the beam is throwing and then reflecting onto the wall and then reflecting out from the wall depending what frequency comes from the speaker it'll be a different like 
throw because the higher frequencies obviously throw more, but the lower frequencies do other um, pretty crazy phenomena stuff. So yeah, that's what they were used for. They were used for reflecting. I mean, that space as an inside space was like perfect for those speakers because so we moved them around. We had them, we had them at either end of the space. We had them shooting at each other. We're like, oh yeah, this is interesting, but you know, nah, this is, this is more interesting. So we put them together. It's the first time we've actually put them together facing outwards. So yeah, the beam kind of hits on one side and on the other side, the beam hits that television screen and wall. And I don't even think it comes. Oh yeah, then it hits the other, the other reflective panel and then comes out the other end and then crosses with the other one. <laughs> I can only think of it spatially. Um, it's a representation of what's happening all around us all the time. And I think that was the other thing was like, I didn't want it to be heard. I just wanted to highlight that, that, that energy is like traveling all around us. And that would be a highlight of that would be highlighting it. That's exactly what I was talking about actually now that I remember yeah this is look 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 what's happening look what's happening everywhere there's <laughs> there's stuff everywhere the walls aren't walls <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going in, I'm going into physics now I'm going <laughs> but yeah yeah I wanted to highlight that things the things were traveling and things were happening that, that and that those parables do that if you shoot them off something, you, you then understand physically what sound is physically doing, not just, you know, audibly. You're physically kind of feeling this, which is often you don't, the focus isn't so much on the physical, at least in that frequency range. I mean, you have a bunch of subwoofer, you feel it and you know you're feeling it, but like being able to hear spatial sound at that frequency is very, it's very um, confusing to the ears, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, there's no need to have any audition in a sense. It's like stuff is there. Like what's, why, why do we have to hear it all the time? Like why? I mean, we're feeling it. We don't even, if you just like think of it, put, let's say we put it in context with what's going on. Yeah, there's no reason to hear anything anymore. Like, why? I mean, granted, yes, obviously, if you want to do projection and parables, yes. But still, I mean, my always, my thought was like with the parable, if we were so far away and I knew it was traveling that far. And so the sound source was like the parable was maybe like two kilometers away and it was shooting somewhere. And you said, well, look, here's this map. You might bump into this sound energy. You may not, but it's here. I thought that was the most fascinating thing that you could just wander around and be like, well, we might bump into it. It's, it might be there. It may not. I mean, we're just constantly hearing stuff. So why? 